You're listening to the Prevailing Word podcast channel and also on our Prevailing Word live YouTube channel. I'm Pastor Fred Rochester. Thanks for listening. Let's get right into the message. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. I want to talk about the mental health crisis. The uh, scriptures below would lead us to believe what this mental health crisis is. Verse 19, because what may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has shown it to them, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. We'll get into a short explanation about the Godhead in a moment. So that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, and birds, and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie, who worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever, amen. For this reason God gave them up to vile passions For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burn in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. In this passage of scripture, we see the mental health crisis. Now, Congress had passed a law last week or week before, and the president signed it into legislation regarding the uh, Gun Control Act. And uh, this Gun Control Act has, as far as the stipulation is concerned, uh, money that will be allotted to people who have mental health conditions that are able to get a firearm and shoot up a whole lot of people. And this mental health crisis appears to have struck a chord in terms of acceptance regarding why people do what they do. 
And so all of a sudden, everything evil is a mental health crisis. Smoking dope, mental health crisis. Drinking alcohol, mental health crisis. Everything has been labeled as a mental health crisis. And it just, not make my blood boil, but I will say that perhaps the reason why they're going about this is that because they have no answer for what is really going on. So to avoid the word evil, the new phrase is a mental health crisis. That's the new phrase. Everything is a mental health crisis. People are not straight upstairs. I mean, if you go back into the 1900s and so forth, we see that people that had something really going on upstairs were placed in institutions because they didn't know how to handle an individual that doesn't have a straight upstairs. And so they would send them to these institutions, but they wouldn't, it wouldn't help them. It was no different than locking them away because society didn't know how to deal with people or individuals that had something going on upstairs. But when you see the ministry of Jesus, when, especially when he first started out, people that just didn't have a straight upstairs, Jesus knew exactly how to deal with them. And it was called casting out devils. Everyone that's doing something could only be explained that people have a mental health condition, like Son of Sam. Some of y'all are old enough to remember Son of Sam in the 1970s. How he explained that he would listen to a dog tell him to go out and kill. And it was only by chance that he was caught because he was on a killing spree with a 44 Magnum. And when he finally got caught, of course he had received a hefty sentence. And uh, just a few years ago, he reached the end of his sentence and was allowed to be placed on parole. Now, I don't know how true it is. I don't know how, but it seems as if the Lord delivered him and that he's preaching in the prisons. Jesus, preaching Jesus now, in the prisons. Um, and, and so he refuses to be paroled. Now, if I'm under the influence of demons, and I had a chance to get back out, then I would look for every possible means to somehow get out so I can do what I've done all, uh, all over again. But he did quite the opposite. He said, I'm staying. I said, wow, maybe he did get delivered. 
fallen man in sin brought about this mental condition. And if we're really, now I understand that there are, there are some levels of mental conditions, but even in some places where it appears as if you have it all together, there's still some kind of mental issue. That only obedience to the word of God can completely dissolve. Before we were born again, I know that, that most of us were on some level of lunacy. We may not be on the high end, but when we were out there in the world, we would do some crazy stuff. L lunacy on different levels. Some of us will say, well, I would never do something like that, but who, who knows where you are? Who knows what you've done or, or, or is about to do? Now, I'm about to get a little vulgar here. Because the only way I can show you the measure of lunacy is to describe a particular illness. When, when I was studying along the lines of sexual immorality, I came across an article, I still believe it's on either Blog Talk Radio or on one of my written blogs on sexual immorality, came across an article of the top 1% of people in the United States. Top 1%. And so if you just go to my prevailing word site and go scroll down, you go to scroll down, way down, you'll find it, it's in there. As far as where my sources are and where, where I got the information from. Because uh, if I didn't get the information, I wouldn't even be talking about it and verified and confirmed it. Top 1%, just, that means that their IQ is the IQ of IQs. The smartest of the smartest. And they did a test on these individuals. I mean, I never heard of this, but, but for men, we know that we cringe when it comes to circumcision. We, we, we cringe when people talk about circumcision. As, as a baby, you don't even remember. You don't, you don't even remember that moment that the, that the doctor had cut below the belt. That's, 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 but now that you know, you cringe. I cringe when, the, when Joshua uh, had to cross over and, and the Lord told them that these men weren't uh, uh, circumcised. They have to be circumcised. And just imagine grown men had to line up and get circumcised before they entered the promised land. So, I, so I, that's the kind of cringy I'm talking about. But these, these top 1% of men in the world were diagnosed with penis cancer. I said, 
you wait, wait a minute. Oh, right, I heard about test, uh, the, the testicles. Okay, I, I, I get that. But penis cancer? Whoa! No, 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 no. That can't be. It, it just can't. Can't be. And they did a study, found out that these individuals were the top 1% of the smartest of the smartest in the world that get penis cancer. Because they said the source of penis cancer is when you use an animal for sex. I said, that makes sense. Now they, now they know where it come from. Now these are supposed to be the smartest people in the world. The smartest of the smartest. But they end up with penis cancer because they stuck themselves in something that God said not to. Now you kind of figure that if you get instructions on not to do that, that you wouldn't do that. And that's why there's levels of lunacy. When we were out there in the world, we would do all sorts of lun lunatic kind of things. Uh, some of us look back, I, I guarantee it, after you got born again, and you look back at what you did, you, you must, if you're, if you're real about yourself, if you're real about yourself, you must say, man, I must have been so dumb. Yep. What in the world am I, why, why did I do that? Why did I say that? Why did I think that? Amen. There's levels of lunacy. <laughs> and so, that's the only way that I can describe what, I, what I've just described, that, that you have to be on the high end of lunacy to end up with that type of cancer. But homosexuals are on the next level. If you study out Leviticus 18, if you study it out, God always starts from, God started as far as sexual immorality with the, with the lowest level of lunacy and it ends to the highest level of lunacy. And the highest level of lunacy is sex with animals. Now these are the same people last month that had Pride Month. And I said, you know, that's a good name for that. Satan, as you know, in the book of Ezekiel and also Ezekiel 12 and, and also in uh, Isaiah 14, we see that, that the reason why Satan fell was because of pride in his heart. So they're doing exactly what, what their father is doing. They're proud. Look, there's nothing proud about the second level of lunacy, mental health crisis. There's, a, there's nothing proud about that. In fact, the Bible says in the book of Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 18, pride comes or goes before destruction and the haughty spirit before the fall. God hates the proud and the arrogant person. The proud and the arrogant in their ways. That's why we thank God 
he did what he did with Paul and with those who are sensitive to him. That we get a buffet of, from Satan that our prayers will not stop. Paul said, I much rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest on me. So don't, don't be quick to ask God to get everything off of you. Something is sent for a reason. And that is to keep you on your knees. Not just in prayer, but in humility. You see, it's just like when my mom's or my aunt would say, you need to be cut down a couple of pegs. Because it's very easy to be lifted up in pride. In fact, Paul said it like this in the book of 1 Corinthians. He, he said that knowledge puffs up. And see, that, that's why you shouldn't, you shouldn't be living in such a way where if God show you something and then you lift yourself up, automatically God sends the, the, the messenger of Satan. God, why am I being challenged? I haven't done anything wrong. I haven't walked in sin. I've walked, I've walked perfect before you, before you all my days. Why is this happening to me? Why am I the victim all the time? What is this going on? And God is like saying, you need a messenger of Satan to knock you down a couple of pegs. Most gladly will I, that I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest on me. When you're not right upstairs, it's because you're wrong downstairs. Go to Psalm 51. Psalm 51. When you're not right upstairs, it's because you're wrong downstairs. Look at verse 4 in Psalm 51. In my opinion, this is the adulterer's psalm. Against you, you only have I sinned. You see, what we have done is that we have learned how to quickly exchange so as not to reveal to others the full measure of who we really are and to blunt the effect of the realness of God's word that describes us. For instance, we, we, we all love to testify. We get up in front of people to testify. And we always say, the, the, uh, the, Lord, the Lord knows my mistakes. We don't get up there in front of people and say, I've sinned. Because that three-letter word is just not good showing me in that light. We always want to exchange it for some other word so that way it appears that we're not so bad. But you see, the Bible says that we're, we're all bad. Every last one of us. 
You know how? See, 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 that destroyed your confession, didn't it? Well, the book of Psalm 14 and verse 1 says, The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. They are all corrupt. They have done abominable things. There's none that's good. In Matthew chapter 19, don't turn there, is the rich young ruler. The rich young, young ruler walked up to Jesus and said, Good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, Why do you call me good? There is none that is good but one, and that is God. So if there is only one that is good, everybody else ain't. So we get up and testify. Y'all know God know my mistakes. Pray my strength in the Lord. And anybody got anybody sense would say what you did now. Well, what sin did you do? David said, against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. Now, a whole lot of people like to jump on the bandwagon with David. See, David, they, they all say that David, David finished well. You lied, he did not. Nathan the prophet came in and told him what, is, what he did. And David said, I've sinned. And, and then Nathan the prophet, now you expect, according to law, that God would put David and Bathsheba to death. That's in Leviticus 20, if you're not careful. Both David and Bathsheba should have been killed because they violated the command of the Lord. That's Old Testament now. And, 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 and so... Nathan told David, the Lord has put away your sin. And you're like saying, wait a minute, God cut David a break? No, he didn't. You got to realize that the Lord is the Lord. He is God. He will do whatever it is that he will do. And who are we to tell him that it's not fair? He God. We got to die. He's God. So, Here's the other thing about that story. Nathan told David, this sin I'm gonna put away. This sin God said, I, God said he put away. But the thing that you did in secret, I will show it, I will do to you before all Israel. And the child will not live. Well, why did God take it out on the child? Why did he let the child live? Here's the reason why God didn't let the child live. If the child would have lived, he would have been the next king. That's one. Two. God is, that's the first thing, God is God. Second thing, he would have been the next king. Third, him being alive would have been God's, they would have viewed it as, not that God would have said it, but they would have viewed it as God endorsed it. God endorsed what David did. 
had coveted another man's wife, which is the tenth commandment that he violated, committed adultery with that woman, and murdered Bathsheba's husband. It would have been viewed as endorsement. Oh, so since David is alive, nobody killed him. So guess what? I guess I can do the same thing too. No, 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 no. What God did in allowing David and Bathsheba to remain alive was to show them as an example. I'm going to show this thing to the whole world what you guys did. It was an example. God wanted to make David an example. How many know that when you were growing up, you were siblings, you had brothers and sisters, and you're the one that messed up, and then mama's the one that gets you? Now, if you had any kind of sense, the rest of the children would say, wait a minute, I don't want to get hit, get hit like he did. You don't want to do, you don't want to do that. You don't, want, you don't want to get beat next. See, my mom, my mom was smart, too. What, what, what she would do is when my, when my, mom, when my brothers would get it, we would all get it too. I might say, Mama, but we didn't do anything. I'm going to get you just in case. <laughs> just in case. <sighs> Our parents were some parents, boy. But, but David was an example. God God used what David did as an example. Don't do what David did. Yet today, we still see individuals, myself included, following the same path. We didn't take heed to the example. Again, verse 4, middle portion, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. So, it, so sin starts when you're born. It's already in you. And that's why there is such thing as said as an age of accountability. There is not a specific identifiable point that we can declare that, that, that a person reaches the age of accountability but the age of accountability is when you know the difference between right and wrong. And it doesn't matter what spectrum on the age line, you may reach it, except normally it's around in your early teens, and for some people it's in your single digits, the age of accountability. But nonetheless, verse 5 stands out, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in, my, in sin my mother conceived me. Go to Romans chapter 3, verse 23. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. We all know this scripture. For all have sinned and come fall or fall short of the glory of God. Verse 24 says, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. But this is called among Bible scholars, biblical scholars, original sin. Go to Romans chapter 5 now. Romans 5. So if we can understand the origin of sin, perhaps we can solve the mental health crisis. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, 
and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. So the mental health crisis began in heaven with Satan, passed down to Adam and Eve, and now passed to every person. And that there are different levels of mental conditions that only the new birth and obedience to the Word of God can ultimately change. There's plenty of examples of Jesus dealing with people with mental conditions, but it was demon power. Go to Mark chapter 5, if you will. Mark the fifth chapter. Because when you see your homelessness and people strung out on drugs, it's demon power at work. It's demon power at work. And when you see people in politics, when you try to tell them the truth, they would rather tell you the lie so that way they get you to see that their lie is the truth. And see, there's a level of lunacy in there that only a person, if a person repent of sin and place their full faith in Christ Jesus, and begin to obey the word and be discipled as, as disciples of the Lord, that that lunacy leaves. Chapter 5, verse 1 in the book of Mark, Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one could bind him. I mean, we, we passed... We pass through our neighborhoods. We see people that have lost their minds. It's a mental health condition, but, but you see, when it comes to eating, it seems normal, doesn't it? When it comes to using a bathroom, it seems relatively normal, doesn't it? When they lie down to sleep, it seems like some, it's, something normal is there. When you talk to them, sometimes you might catch levels of, of demon spirits. Other times they'll conceal depending on who they are. But you know that some people can come out of whatever it is that they're coming out of, whatever it is that they can come out of to, to live a normal life if they would simply give their life over to the Lord. But it is demon power. When we first started Prevailing Word Ministries and we were, we were, we were just getting uh, this place my wife and I, we were walking across the street and there was this guy screaming at us. I mean, they were just screaming at us. And I was just wondering, well, what you screaming at us for? And I said, man, it's because we may be just getting started in, in this place. And then across the street was another individual screaming at him. I'm like saying, watching two demons argue. Two people demon-possessed argue. And I'm like saying, man, this, this is serious. Mental health crisis is, is a demonic situation. Yes. Have you ever noticed that when, when you put drugs in, in people, it sort of subsides and then after it wanes, they go back to whatever it is that they're, they're doing? But to see all the other activities are normal. They know they got to eat. They know they got to drink. They know they got to sleep. They know they got to get up. They know they got to put on clothes. They know that they got to do certain normal activities. But then all of a sudden, demons manifest at the right time. I was watching a man uh, preach on the streets, it's on YouTube, and, and demons would show up. Demons would show up and try to interrupt him, try to stop him from preaching the word. 
interrupting him and, and things of that nature. I've had that happen in, in a way, preaching down on Flatbush Avenue and uh, Hanson Place. I mean, I, I, talk, I talk, started talking about homosexuality and transvestite, and there, there was this one transvestite, it really, it really got on him. And, and my intent was never uh, uh, to degrade him, never to make fun of him, but to point out what sin is. And he was clearly upset about that. He was trying to make himself look like a she. So he was clearly upset, but he never approached me. He just kept walking at a distance. And, and so, you know, you, when you're ministering out there in the street, the gospel, you're going to, ha you're going to have demon manifestations. You're going to have demonic manifestations. Some of us have family members. <laughs> boy, oh boy. Some of us have family members that, that about the same and, and they show levels of lunacy they show levels of, of, of being mentally disturbed but look at this look at this story verse 3 who had his dwelling among the tombs and no one could bind him it's not normal to sleep in the graves it's not normal and no one could bind him. In other words, they tried, watch, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains. And the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces, neither could anyone tame him. In other words, they tried to solve a spiritual problem by using only natural means. And that's what this world attempts to do. They're trying to solve mental health problems using natural means when it is a spiritual condition. The only way you can solve it is first of all, you gotta cast the devil out of them. And then after which, if you minister the gospel to them, they'll get saved. I'll never forget it, we were up on 155th Street and I think we just moved there, or, or was it sometime thereafter? And, and the pastor hadn't gotten, gotten uh, to the church yet. And uh, the witnessing team was down front witnessing the people, and they were having problems with demons. So, you know, I was upstairs. They came and got me. I went downstairs. And I know, I mean, I, I knew from the lessons learned by watching. You know, you, you watch my pastor. You, you, you cast the devil out of them, and then you put in them the word. So, you know, as we, as we cast that devil out, she reached into her pocketbook and pulled out a crack pipe. She pulled out a crack pipe and put it in our hands, so I gave it to one of our security teams so that way they can either confiscate it or destroy it. And I said, you come upstairs with me and sit right next to me, and, and, and we'll have service upstairs hear the word of God. So the pastor came, preached the word of God, and then she was just about on the edge of losing it. I said, wait a minute, don't lose it. Don't lose it. You've been delivered, don't lose it. And she came back to herself. Because the word that the pastor was preaching was having an effect. You see, the Holy Spirit was moving in that service and the pastor didn't know what was really going on but nonetheless he was he was ministering the word of God and it was getting into her and and she was finally settling down and that's what you do you cast the devil out of them and then you get them the word so that way they can settle down 
but it's not normal. They were trying to use natural means. They were trying to use natural means to deal with an individual that can only be dealt with by the power of God. And then after the power of God is ministered to them, then you give them the word so that way they can stand on their own. So it's not natural to pull shackles apart. Just imagine he's sitting there and, 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 and he's, he's taking these fetters and going, click. Now we all know that it takes a tremendous amount of power to break shackles, to break chains. But he was just sitting there with ease, like they were toothpicks. Verse 5, and always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. He was trying to commit suicide. Because you just don't cut, you just don't cut yourself and, and, you know, yes, he was committing, he was trying to commit suicide, he was cutting himself. Or another plausible way of looking at it, well, Pastor, I don't think he was cutting himself. All right, well, you know, to, to commit suicide, all right, that's plausible, I can, I can, I can take another view of this. Perhaps... He was carving pictures in his flesh like tattoos. That's possible too, so we don't want to be dogmatic about it. Verse 6, when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him, and he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High? Most High God, I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he came to him, for he said to him, rather, for he said to him, come out of the man, unclean spirit. Then he asked him, what is your name? And he answered, saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. Also he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Now a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountains. So all the demons begged him, saying, send us to the swine that we may enter them. And at, that, and at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. There were about 2,000. And, and the herd ran violently down. And, and uh, ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. It's to blame. In other words, mental health crisis is to blame for mass shootings. So they say. But we all know where this comes from. Evil. Evil comes from the devil. Let's start in John chapter 3 verse 44. You see when you want to know the answer to this thing, you don't give you don't give the, wor the world's answer to the situation. You give the Bible's answer to the situation. Because the Bible is the only place where we will find the, find the ability to answer the question. Because a lot of us, when we're confronted, especially uh, uh, with dealing with, why is there so much evil in the world? Why does God allow evil? And that used to stump me until I sat there and thought about it. And say, wait a minute, evil didn't come from God. It came from Adam and Eve through Satan. And then remember, remember what it says in, in uh, Romans chapter 3, verse 23. For all sin comes come short of the glory of God. And then Romans chapter 5 and verse 12, where it says, By one man sin entered into the world, and death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. Sin 
through man allowed it in. Not God. Well, if God is all powerful, don't you think he can stop it? Look, God stops whatever he wants. God allows whatever he wants. But as far as the overall scheme of evil, man allowed it. Man allowed it. Look at verse 44 in John chapter, four, John chapter 8. John chapter 8 verse 44. You are of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. Can, can we see the origin of sin here? The origin of evil here? Can we, can we really see this for what it is? And the desires of your father you want to do. You are of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. Can, can, we see, can we see the connection? The connection is very clear. The connection is very clear that everything comes from Satan through man when man allows it. What does Satan desire? Well, we'll find out in a, in a moment. Look at, look at the rest of the verse. He was a murderer from the beginning. Satan desires to murder people. And does not stand in the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie. Not if. He says when. He speaks a lie. He speaks from his own resources. For he is a liar and the father of it. So there are desires in Satan that he wants to give to man to do. Look at chapter 10 of the book of John. Chapter 10. Chapter 10 of the book of John. And verse 10. The thief comes, does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. The abundant life is not talking about riches and wealth. The abundant life is talking about eternal life living within you. So you can be a lunatic if you want with that scripture, but you go ahead and be a lunatic. The abundant life is the life of Jesus living on the inside of you as a result of repentance from dead works, faith towards God, and obedience to the scriptures. So the thief comes to do three things. Number one, to steal. The word steal is the Greek word klepto. We all know what a klepto is. It's a recurrent, sur, uh, a recurrent urge to steal. You see, the person that is a klepto doesn't, doesn't put his mind or her mind on the value of the item. Their high, if you will, is the, to be able to steal it, to take it from somebody that doesn't belong to you. The, the urges rises up on the inside of you to go and take it from somebody. And it's like a high. See what I did to that dude? See what I did to that? See how I got this? 
See how I got that? That's the high, a klepto, a recurrent urge to steal. And it's typically without regard for need or profit. The second thing is that they want to kill, which means to slaughter for any purpose. And then destroy, to fully destroy. Those are the three things that Satan desires to do, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Remember, the cross of Christ was the place where Satan thought he could fully destroy Christ. Go to second, uh, the second chapter of Colossians. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 15. Colossians chapter 2 verse 15. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. But look at verse 14. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. So all the evil that was Satan's desire was destroyed on the cross. But the cross was turned around to be a place where the principalities and powers were disabled. Go to Ephesians chapter, excuse me, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 6. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. They wouldn't have crucified him. We see here that it is possible. It is possible. And certainly done that Satan's power was destroyed at the cross. And that Satan's ability to put his desires in man stops at the cross. Evil is stopped at the cross. Go to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, 
and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So we see here that these principalities, all evil, is now under the rule of Christ. And that if we come in Christ, then we have this same uh, 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 Lord working on the inside of us. And all we have to do is put on the whole armor of God. But you see, notice what it says here when it says the helmet of salvation, putting on the helmet of salvation. Remember, remember what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. The helmet of salvation gives us a sound mind. When we obey the scriptures. You see, you don't call yourself a disciple if you're not obedient. You have to obey the scriptures in order for the scriptures to have any, any work. I, I, was, I was watching uh, you know, how people do certain things. And, and, and the Lord just gave it in a simplistic way. He said, they're doing all these things. We'll get to those, some of those things in a minute. They're doing all those things, but if they would just simply obey my word. If they would just simply obey my word. I mean, that's the whole story of the Old Testament. Keep my commandments. Obey my word. Walk in my statutes. Walk in my ways. All Israel had to do was simply obey God. And everything about them would have been taken care of. But you know what we've done? Especially now uh, with the word of God, we've convoluted it to the, play, to the point where we just start doing things as a substitute for obeying God. Mm. Wow. We start doing things as a substitute for obeying God. And, and it, it'll work for a little while. It'll work for a little while. Then it'll unravel itself and then you go back to finding out what thing that you need to do instead of doing the one thing that God said to do and that was to obey his word. You see, when, 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 I'm, I'm going to get ahead of myself. <laughs> Alright, so go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. You see, the mental health crisis has an origin, and it comes from Satan through man, which is what we've established through the scriptures. But now in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, look at verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is Fulfilled. Now see, notice what it says here. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds, or for the pulling down of strongholds. So the, the weapons is, is, the one weapon that we do know and do have is in Ephesians chapter 6, verse, verse uh, 13, I think it is, where it speaks, uh, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That's the only weapon, but any of us that have been in warfare, and I've never been in warfare, never been in combat. 
but the training is is as if you were and so training is no substitute for actual combat let me be very clear about that training is no substitute for actual combat but you but if you're trained in such a way in your training every single tool is an assault weapon is 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 what is a tool in your package in your pouch the person is the assault weapon all i all i have are tools and when i exhaust all my external tools i still got tools but the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in God for the pulling down stronghold. God gives us the weapons by the Holy Spirit to use. He gives us weapons. But the primary weapon is the sword of the Spirit. But see, look at what it does. Verse 5, casting down arguments. What's the whole purpose of pulling down strongholds? It's to cast down arguments, reasonings. It's to cast down arguments, reasonings. In other words, when you want to argue with God to justify your sin, the stronghold is being established, but it can be pulled down with the sword of the Spirit, with the, which is the Word of God. And then you cast down that stronghold, and it no longer has authority over you. It's a reasoning. It's an argument. And... Every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. You see, it's all the time using, using reasoning. For instance, when the uh, pro-lifers were out there and, and the uh, pro-choice people were out there, all you see is arguments. All you see in this are arguments. But you see, when you're dealing with the word of God, it casts down arguments, reasonings. And bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Bringing how many thoughts? Every thought. Every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. You see, the mental health crisis, if you would just bring down all those reasonings, all those arguments, it's brought down by the knowledge of God, by the scriptures. See, I know that there are times in which the Spirit of God will tell you to do it uh, His way in terms of casting out devils and things of that nature. But when you're de generally dealing with people, it's about their reasonings. Firmly b established beliefs that are contrary to Scripture. Go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 verse 2 now. In which you once walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit who now works in the, works where in the sons of disobedience. Not obedience but disobedience. In other words those individuals in whom Jesus said in John chapter 8 and verse 44. You are of your father the devil, and the desires of, of your father you do. So what is the desires of the father? Disobedience of their father. What is the desire of the devil? Disobedience. 
And that's why we have to cast down imaginations or reasonings and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. In other words, those things, those things that are exalting itself against the knowledge of God are the reasonings that goes crosswise to God. For instance, it's reasonable to say that the earth is round. I mean, it doesn't take much to fit. Sad to say that even in today's society, people will walk up to you and say the earth is flat. Wait a minute. I could debunk that in, in one in one sentence. So the earth is flat. Okay. You really believe that? Yeah, I believe the earth is flat. Okay, how come you can't see Paris from here? If, if the earth is flat, no matter how far Paris is, you'll still be able to say, wait, that's where Paris is. Debunk it real quick. So there's a level of lunacy that is, that is challenged when you bring truth to bear on their thoughts. Verse 3, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as the others. You see, the only reason why people hold on to certain levels of lunacy is simply because they are in love with sin. Because ultimately, when you can't really get, get past their mentality, you bring them back to the commandments of God and show them that they are in sin and that they are in trouble and that they will die and go to hell if they don't repent of sin. The only reason why they, they, they mess with you in terms of your, your mind and lunacy is that you haven't gotten to their sins yet. So the moment you get to their sins, it's over. Because now you go from the mentality of an individual to the conscience. And that's what you need to do when you're, wet, when, when you're talking to people. You need to get them out of their minds because they got... How many of you know that you sat down with some of your friends and relatives and their mind is going crazy and they're reasoning and they're telling you, explaining to you certain things and it just doesn't make sense and it's all mental up here. But as soon as you start dealing with the conscience, they start hushing up. Especially for brothers when you start telling them when was the last time you watched porn. Now it went from here to here, real quick. Go to 1 John chapter 5 now. 1 John chapter 5. Oh, we're almost done. All right, 1 John chapter 5, look at verse 19. We, all, we know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. What does, what does it mean that they're walking under the sway of the, of the wicked one? They're, they're being influenced by him. They're being governed by him. Remember what we saw in Ephesians chapter 2. The course of this world. Walking in the course of the world. Well, it comes from Satan, doesn't it? The course of, the, of this world. What, what is the course of this world? To steal, to kill, and destroy. Why? Because it's the desires of the, their father, Satan. So the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. The answer to the mental health crisis is to be born again. To be born again means to repent or turn from sin. 
and place your full faith on the Lord Jesus Christ to be a disciple of the Lord by walking in His commandments. You've been listening to our Prevailing Word podcast. I'm Fred Rochester. Thanks for listening.